Now we're here, how do we get out? Presented by actor and animal activist Peter Regan and filmmaker Andrew Telling. Hello and welcome to another edition of Now We're Here, How Do We Get Out? A podcast looking at animal welfare and conservation in terms of where we are, how we got here and hopefully how we're going to get out of it in the future. What can we do to mitigate some of the man-made circumstances that have created so many problems for the animal kingdom and conservation? We're in the middle of a lockdown, so of course we're recording from all four corners of the UK, but that doesn't stop us having a stellar guest on the show. He joined us a little while ago talking about factory farming. It is, of course, Philip Limbury, CEO of Compassion in World Farming and author of some remarkable books. One, of course, is Dead Zone and the other, which has become a bit of a Bible for us here, Farmageddon. So over to Peter Egan. I was very interested when we finished our last conversation that you said you were looking into the fish farming industry, the intensive fish farming industry. It's a shame that one has to link in with these um, descriptions of the word farming because farming, to me certainly, and I think to most of us, um, would say that there is a degree of husbandry and um, well-balanced care uh, that goes into um, the rearing and breeding of food for the table. But what we have learned so comprehensively from um, you and from your from Farmageddon and the Dead Zone that this doesn't apply to this industry. And now um, both Andrew and I are equally shocked to find that the same applies to the fish farming industry. Over the last 30 years, nothing has really changed for the better for farmed fish. Things have only got worse. Over the last 30, 40, 50 years, uh, a tiny industry uh, in Scotland, for example, uh, uh, rearing salmon has taken off. And there's now um, more than 200 fish farms using that term farms uh, uh, loosely. Fish farms dotted around the coast of of Scotland, mainly on the west coast and also around uh, uh, Shetland and the Isle of Skye and places like that. And, uh, you know, it's a tragedy to see how the industry almost seems unstoppable, despite so much evidence since then to show the animal welfare impact, the environmental impact and uh, how it is degrading the environment for all of us. Can you just tell us um, how, when you, 30 years ago, what were the numbers that were being produced intensively and what are the numbers that are being produced intensively now? Well, the, uh, the, the, the fish farm industry produced, they always talk in tonnes, unfortunately, which is hard to, to, to calibrate. But to give you an idea, they're producing more than 200,000 tonnes of salmon a year in Scotland uh, which is an awful lot of fish, uh, and the industry is worth about a billion pounds a year. So this is big. Uh, and since you know, over the last decades, it's, it, it's expanded. Uh, each time I look at it, when I looked at it uh, 20 years ago and, and uh, wrote a report called In Too Deep, uh, the industry was looking to double. It's done that. It's looking to double, certainly in value terms, again, by 2030. This is an industry taping, taking leaps and bounds. At the crux of this industry are uh, salmon, living, breathing, essentially wild creatures that are kept in cages. Each one of those cages can have about 50,000 fish at a time. 
swirling around and to give you an idea of the density uh, you know they're given so little space that it's a bit like you or I trying to keep a two-foot salmon in a bathtub of water you know a fairly shallow bathtub of water and 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 no surprise then that if you look at the video footage investigative footage you can see the salmon swirling round and round their cages uh, essentially going nowhere in ever decreasing circles and that's showing their frustration they are pacing the cage as if they were caged tigers salmon presumably have a a significant level of sentience to be pushed into a situation where they do pace the cage because you have to have a level of sentience to be psychologically distressed to that level yeah absolutely you're quite right i mean as salmon and other fish are sentient creatures there's no doubt about that there's been a long-running debate about pain uh, but there, there is quite clear scientific evidence that fish feel pain besides pain there are other ways to suffer as you've rightly said frustration is a form of suffering fear is a form of suffering yeah. and irrespective of whether fish feel pain if you hook them their immediate response is a fear response they try to escape mm. that in itself is suffering and what's what long-term suffering causes or acute suffering causes is uh, is distress that leads to a lowering of the immune system uh, which means that uh, we can measure uh, what's going on with uh, the welfare of these fish through this lowered immune response and what we find is that farmed fish intensively farmed fish lo and behold are susceptible to, uh, to to a whole range of diseases and parasitic infestation to the point where a mortality rate in the scottish salmon farming industry uh, can reach up to 30 percent mortality in a year now the oh. fraction of that mortality rate in any other farming industry would trigger an emergency response yet in fish farming it's seen as the norm they would literally just hook them out and dispose of them from the farm from the cage yeah they uh, the, the dead ones are yeah uh, fished out uh, literally um, mm-hmm. put into bins uh, into skips and our, our investigators, compassionate world farming investigators, you know, many times uh, found and uh, and filmed uh, big uh, big industrial um, uh, containers of dead and rotting fish. These are the morts, wow. as they're called. They have their own language, and morts are the dead ones. The farmers must have that on a spreadsheet. We're going to lose thirty percent of our fish, and therefore our profit. Oh, absolutely. And, and this really speaks to the level of care, or rather not, mm. that they are willing to farm a species that is, under normal circumstances, going to experience such high levels of mortality, which speaks to an underlying high level of stress and distress and therefore suffering. When their immune system breaks down, does that create little bugs that can affect humans or does it just affect the fish? And how are they cleaned if they are going to be a problem? Well, the susceptibility to disease due to that immunosuppressant effect 
um, means that uh, the fish are needing to be fed with veterinary drugs to keep them alive. So the fed antibiotics, which of course helps to fuel antibiotic resistance in humans. Wow. Peter Andrew, we, we talked, I think, the last time that antibiotics is a big deal. Globally, 73% of antibiotics, 80% in the US, uh, of all antibiotics are fed to farmed animals, including fish. Uh, that is driving this antibiotic resistance. And when we talk about a pandemic, COVID-19, which has been devastatingly awful. Where are we going with antibiotics if we carry on as we are? Keeping animals, fish and other animals in factory farms, is that antibiotics could just stop working for us. And in this post-antibiotic era, uh, I've, seen, uh, I've seen predictions that by, by the middle of the century, that post-antibiotic era could be killing 10 million people every single year. Wow. It's that pathway that's not connected in that if somebody sees a farmed salmon in a package on the shelf, there is not ever going to be a mental pathway between that and the fact that antibiotics will cease working in tens of millions of human beings. We just don't have that link, do we? We haven't been... We haven't been given the information to develop that link. Absolutely right. And worse than that is that, of course, Scottish salmon is, is sold on the basis of this natural product in pristine yeah. environments. Yeah. And what you've got is anything far from a natural environment, a natural product um, being produced in an, in an environment that was pristine, but isn't anymore because of the salmon. What kind of irony is that? Remarkable. Can you, could you, Philip, take us through the difference between a wild salmon living in fresh water and the life it has compared to what happens to a fish farmed salmon in these nets that, that hold what, in the region of 50,000 fish swimming in the equivalent of a bathtub of water each. What is, what is the difference between their lives in the, in, 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 in the wild uh, fresh water and what's the difference in that prison? Life for a salmon in the wild really starts as an egg laid in, in the fish's home river. Um, the egg will hatch and out of the gravel of this, this pristine clear river uh, will be uh, tiny, uh, tiny fish uh, fry that uh, are then called par. And these are freshwater versions of salmon or the freshwater part of their life phase. They swim around in the river until they go through a process called smolting, where they become ready to go to sea, where they can cope with, with seawater. That's when they enter the sea, they leave their home river, and they'll go off for perhaps years to mature, and they will cover vast distances. These are supreme ocean wanderers that know no boundaries. Amazing. And then after... Uh, a couple of years, maybe more, they will then uh, mature and get that instinct to come back to breed. They will return to their home river. Uh, they will go up that river, driven by their sheer power and instinct, following the pheromones, the chemical smells, back to where they came from, and the circle of life will happen again. What happens in the fish farm is that, uh, of course, uh, the eggs are hatched uh, artificially. Um, the, the, uh, the, the fish are uh, reared in, in tanks 
until they are ready to go to sea um, as, at a few months old. Uh, and at that point, those fish will spend their entire life in a cage uh, where the best they can do is swim around in circles like uh, caged animals. Actually, it's not like caged animals because that's exactly what they are. Fish yeah. are animals Ooh. and these are caged. In, in huge numbers in an impoverished environment where they have nothing to do. I was reading some research which had been done about these cages breaking down in storms, releasing these farmed fish into a, an environment into which they are not a natural species. Can you give us more information and research on that? Yeah, it happens on a regular basis that uh, that there are escapes from these fish farms. And when there's a big storm, for example, one not so long ago on the west coast of Scotland, Storm Ellen came along, and uh, and this this flotilla of salmon farm cages essentially uh, broke loose and uh, crumpled up, and fifty thousand fish escaped to freedom, which sounds good from an animal welfare point of view but the trouble is those farmed fish are genetically different to the wild salmon and when 50,000 farmed salmon suddenly break loose they swamp the wild salmon uh, they compete with them for food and other resources they even interbreed and actually make the wild salmon less viable and that is the reason why wild salmon are now so rare. It's so hard to find them that the, the numbers of wild salmon have hit an all-time low. Mm. Uh, and so much so that Prince Charles, uh, at the launch of an organisation called the Missing Salmon Alliance, what he said was, the very future of a species that has been swimming in our oceans and seas for over six million years will be in jeopardy. We simply cannot allow this to happen in our lifetime. What I would say, and these are now my words, is that if we continue farming salmon off the coast of Scotland, like we do, then seeing an end to wild salmon, I think, is in sight. That's terrible. Can I just ask you, because I'm very much a layman as far as these things are concerned, so does, um, when the uh, farmed fish escape um, by a natural disaster and then are reintroduced into the wild, uh, to, when they procreate, do they, in, do they weaken the gene because they are bringing with them the farmed gene, which is not as powerful as the wild gene, for want of a better image, is that right? Um, yes, kind of, Peter. It's a great question. And what's happening is that wild salmon are, uh, are genetically adapted for life in their home river. It, they are so highly tuned that it's very, very specific. And as soon as you contaminate the genes of the salmon from that river, you make them less able to cope in that river. It's as simple as that. It's genetic. Uh, dilution, genetic contamination. What would be the average lifespan of a wild salmon compared to a farmed salmon in terms of five years? You know? Well, the, it, it's interesting because 
found salmon can live for um, a, a year, two years uh, or, or more. And actually, that longevity is, is quite a tragedy. When you, you, you think of, of chickens, farmed chickens, people think that when they're buying a chicken in their supermarket, oh, it's probably three or four years old. Actually, it's six weeks old. Oh. He or she is six weeks old. Um, uh, so they grow very fast. Uh, they suffer a lot. Uh, and they're killed at six weeks old. With salmon, they grow much more slowly and they're kept in this deprived environment for what can be years, suffering all of their lives. So the actual days, the, 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 the actual days suffered in farmed fish is probably worse than any other farmed animal. Wow. One of the big problems at the moment, one of the big reasons for, more, for high mortality rates in salmon is that lots of fish all crowded together. It's a perfect breeding ground for disease and parasitic infestation. And one of the big infestations, the biggest, is sea lice. Now, these sea lice, they attach themselves around the heads of the fish. Uh, and if they become uh, too numerous, they can actually eat into the fish's skin um, and they can cause uh, what is known in the industry as the death crown. They eat into the flesh and down to the skull and they kill the fish that way. Now, what is done in the industry to try to reduce this parasitic sea lice problem is a number of things. One, they'll use a contraption called a thermolyser, uh, which essentially means that you suck all of the fish out of the cage, um, you put them through hot water, you know, literally pump them through hot water, um, so a mild form of cooking, if you like, and then put them back into the cage. Um, what happens is it removes the lice. It also um, heightens the mortality rate. Another response is to, is to use hydrogen peroxide to bathe them essentially in bleach to get rid of the sea lice. So you've got uh, thousands of, of fish writhing together in this bleach as a liquid. So we've mm. had this big argument in terms of our trade with America of not having um, chlorinated chicken and we are in the UK doing the same thing to fish with bleach. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. The spiny lump fish is one of a number of fish that have the unfortunate habit of nibbling on parasitic sea lice. Uh, RAS is, uh, is another type. And what happens is the fish industry, in a desperate attempt to try to quell the numbers of these, uh, of these sea lice, they get ras, lumpfish, and other cleaner fish, as they call them, pop them in the pen in the same murky, intensive, crowded environment to try to eat uh, these uh, sea lice. I've seen footage of, of lumpfish, these cleaner fish, thrown in with the salmon and uh, showing um, signs of being attacked by the sea lice themselves, having open wounds and fungal infection. And honestly, if you get a glimpse, as our investigators have with their cameras, inside one of these pens, you know, the full horror of what is happening comes to light. You see fish that have got lumps out of them. You see them with infections around their gills and other parts of their body. Um, you see them uh, with missing eyes or just blind. Uh, and some of them have got 
injuries where seaweed is growing out of them. Essentially, Peter, Andrew, these are farmed fish that look like to me they're rotting alive. Do you know what's remarkable is that when we spoke to you previously, we were talking about packaging and how meat is packaged to look like it's been ethically produced on a wonderful farm. And every time you buy a pack of smoked salmon, it's exactly that. It's a, it's a beautiful, well-crafted package with Scottish Highlands on. It will invariably have a, a lovely name. So you think from the surface, you're buying into a beautiful, organic, natural system. But that's so far from the truth. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The, uh, the, the, the selling point is that pristine Scottish environment, that this is Scottish farmed. What a wonderful, evocative image. But look, knowing what I know over the last 12 months, three months, let alone the last 30 years, yeah. I can tell you, honestly, that I would not buy or eat Scottish farmed salmon. I absolutely wouldn't. And there's also the other impact. Thousands upon thousands of seals are killed each year um, because they have found a food source at these um, fish farms. Can you just kind of say a few words about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a, a bird table, but for seals, putting 50,000 salmon in a cage, maybe 10 or more of these cages together. What an irresistible attraction for the local seal population uh, and sadly uh, one of the things that we've been saying for years I've been saying for decades is that essentially if you buy Scottish farmed salmon uh, you're essentially uh, you're essentially um, paying for bullets uh, to kill uh, uh, seals around these farms they shoot, one of the, they shoot them they, sorry for they shoot them they shoot them yes they do um, but one of the big breakthroughs, probably the, the, the most remarkable thing that's happened in 30 years, is that only this year, the Scottish government have brought in and are enforcing a ban on the shooting of seals around fish farms, which is brilliant, which is brilliant. After 30 years of campaigning, suddenly something is being done. But do you know what? It's not being done to protect seals per se. It's being done to protect fish farmed exports to the US because the US legislation forbids the import of uh, farmed uh, fish that is produced in a way which damages and kills seals and, uh, and other iconic marine species. So to protect Great. 200 million pounds of exports a year, finally, the Scottish government has acted to ban the killing of seals around fish farms. Can fish farming ever be ended? And if it does end, what, what good will it do for our planet? What we know is that in the oceans today, we've overdone fishing. We've overdone it to the point where we could be just 30 years away from commercial fishing stopping completely because the fish are gone. Mm. What we know is that 90% of the big fish that we eat uh, historically, 90% have now gone. So the current population in the ocean is just 10% residual of what they used to be. Now, if we want those 10% to remain sustainable and viable for fishing in the future, 
the food on our plates, then we better leave the fish that they eat alone. And at the moment, we're busily stripping those little fish that they eat away to feed farmed fish. Wow. Essentially, in this idea that we're going to feed the world by having more farmed fish, uh, what we're actually doing is uh, we're, killing, uh, uh, we're killing ourselves with this cure. A fifth of the world's fish catch are never fed to people. A fifth of the world's fish catch are ground down largely speaking ground down and fed to farmed animals, largely farmed fish. And it's not just these little animals, these little fish like anchovies and, uh, uh, and pilchards and so on. There is now a growing, as I say in my, ne my next book, 60 Harvests Left, there is a growing industry to denude the seas off Antarctica of krill. And this, uh, this lifeblood of whales and yeah. seals and and seabirds is being scooped up again as industrial animal feed. And the wonderful intelligence of the octopus, and octopuses have been talked about as, as the nearest thing we'll get to ever meeting an intelligent alien. And we should be respecting um, the, the, them for their, for their sentience and their intelligence. But guess what? Octopus is the next species on the conveyor belt to go into industrial fish farming. Wow, absolutely devastating. It's how I always think about smoking. If smoking was invented today, it would be outlawed immediately. It's such a bizarre concept. It was only acceptable then because we didn't have the science and whatnot. Salmon fishing has been going for a long time. And of course, that time gives way to industrialization. That's an, that's an explanation for it. This has not happened with octopus. This is a new thing. So we had the opportunity at this point to say, hang on, we've never done it before. We've learned from our mistakes and realized, no, there is no appetite for it. We haven't created an appetite for it yet. Let's just not do it. But no, it's going in fresh, putting it on the conveyor belt, as you say, and yeah. not learning from anything that's gone before. Yeah. Well, we are unique like that, human beings, aren't we? People listening to this might say, oh, well, it's just fish or, you know, who cares? Or, um, or they might say, well, this is fascinating. I'd like to know more and I'd like to understand more. Where would you direct them, um, anyone listening to this, to a, 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 to a room that would give them a greater understanding about everything you've researched and everything you've talked about, which I have to say is brilliant. Mm. Well, thank you. I would uh, suggest people go to Compassionate World Farming's website, uh, ciwf.org, uh, and look up on our website, Rethinking Fish. We have this, uh, this wonderful uh, web resource, Rethinking Fish, which is full of uh, films and briefings and resources to help people understand fish, their sentience, um, the, the, how to consume less fish suffering and uh, and the other thing i would say is uh, uh, for people to cop pick up a copy of farmageddon the true cost of cheap meat the book you so kindly mentioned Brilliant. in your introduction peter um, it's it's got a dedicated chapter on fish farming it's an easy read and you know if you want in uh, in half an hour to get the the intel get the inside scoop on on fish farming and what we can do about it Read the fish chapter in, in Farmageddon. Wonderful. Thank you, Philip, for your always calm intelligence.
I find it compelling every time your manner when delivering this information is it's unambiguous and so clear leaves no room for misinterpretation and I think that's so important at the moment so as always thank you and I look forward to the next time we speak whatever the situation is whatever the matter is I, I always look forward to it you know, it's been such a pleasure talking with you both. I'm so grateful. It's wonderful to be, be seeing you both and, and hearing your voices say it's just, just a, a shame we can't be together. But um, listen, huge thanks for having me as your guest. I feel a great sense of privilege and it's been such a pleasure. Right, so to have you. Us too. Thank you, Philip. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. We always want to hear from you. So whether you have a question, an observation or a suggestion, please get in touch with Peter and Andrew by emailing life at orangeplanetpictures.com or search for Orange Planet Pictures on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.